preacher stood on the street corner preaching to anyone who would listen. After he'd been there a while, a man approached him who looked like he had lived on the street forever. Can I help you? The preacher asked. He said, well, I think you can. He said, would you like me to tell you about Jesus? No. Would you like me to pray for you? No. Uh, well, if you don't want me to tell you about Jesus and you don't want me to pray with you, pray for you, how can I help you? He says, well, you can give me your Bible. <laughs> but why would you want my Bible if you have no interest in knowing more about Jesus? Well, he said, I noticed that the pages of your Bible are very thin, and I can use the pages to roll my cigarettes or joints, he said without any embarrassment. Well, a preacher was shocked at the man's audacity. He immediately thought, there's no way I'm going to give him my Bible so that he can tear it up and use it for that. And that he suddenly had a kind of a stroke of wisdom. I think God spoke to his heart. He says, okay, I'll give you this New Testament. It's my favorite New Testament, but I'll give it to you if you'll agree to read every page before you smoke it. <laughs> and the man agreed, and so he took his Bible and left. Well, the preacher thought he'd probably seen the last of that man. He said, you know, there's end of story. Several months passed, and he was back out on that same street corner once again, and a man came up to him dressed nicely and clean-shaven. And he said, you don't know me, do you? The preacher said, no, I've never seen you in my life. He says, well, yes, you have. He says, I'm the man you gave your Bible to about four months ago. And the preacher couldn't believe his eyes. He said, well, what happened? Tell me what happened to you. And he says, well, I took the Bible, and I smoked Matthew, and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke. And then John smoked me. <laughs> this man on the street was not the first person whose life had been turned upside down by the Word of God. And it's still happening today. Millions of people have had their lives changed because of what they learned through this book and who they learned about. The Bible is powerful. It can change your life or mine. The Bible is very important to followers of God like us. We believe that God speaks through his word, the Bible. It is one of the primary ways we learn about him and his way of life. The Bible is an authority, the authority that we appeal to whenever we want to know what is good and right and important in life. It helps us avoid false teaching. It helps us to avoid sinful choices. It is much more than a manual or a rules book, however. The Bible is a living word from God through which God speaks to our hearts. The Bible is the lens through which we look at the world. And we believe that the words of this book came from God himself. Through faithful writers, he handpicked to write his word to mankind. The apostle Peter tells us how the scriptures came about. Tells us that, that when this word was spoken... Uh, from God to man, and man wrote it down. There was a process, there was a way that these words came to be God-breathed to us. Now, notice what Peter says to us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. He first off talks about his own experience of the transfiguration of Christ. It says that he had this opportunity to be an eyewitness of Jesus being transfigured before him and James and John. And then he goes on to tell us what it means for this word of God to come 
from God himself. Verse 16, we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves, Peter says, heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And then note this. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, we were eyewitnesses. Yeah, this is not something we heard from somebody. This is not someplace where somebody maybe duped us into believing something we know because we were there. We saw Jesus with our own eyes. And then did you notice in verse 19, he says this. He says, we also have the prophetic message written in something completely reliable, reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. Here's Peter's bold statement about the reliability of the scriptures, the word of God. In verses 20 and 21, no scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, we're continuing a series, Questions to Deserve an Answer. And we come to a very important question, is the Bible reliable? That is, has the Bible been faithfully and truthfully transmitted generation to generation from the original writers all the way down to this present generation in 2020? I believe that it has. And whether you believe that the Bible is reliable or not, I ask you to give it the same consideration you would give any other ancient writing. Use the same standards, the same tests on the Bible that you would use on any other piece of literature. And I think you will discover that the Bible is indeed more reliable than any other ancient literature that we have. Now, there are many reasons. I think the Bible is reliable and trustworthy, but I know our time is limited, so I'm just going to focus on four or five things today. Four or five reasons, four or five evidences that support the reliability of the Bible. So, Follow along. Why is the Bible reliable? Evidence one, we possess thousands of early manuscripts, not just a few. We do not have any of the original writings of antiquity. It doesn't matter whether it's the Bible or something else. We don't have these things. What we have is copies of copies of copies. The originals were often written on animal skins or other materials that deteriorated quickly. We only have copies of those things. That is true of all ancient writings. Thankfully, in this case, we have an unbelievably high number of copies or manuscripts of the books of the Bible. Compared to other ancient works, the number is far greater. This high number attests to the reliability of the Bible because we can compare them with each other and find out their consistency. There are well over 5,000 manuscripts of various books of the New Testament, over 14,000 manuscripts of the Old Testament books. If you want to see how remarkable this is, look at this chart up here that's on the screen. Notice what is on the chart. The author 
the book written, the date written, the earliest copies that we have, the time gap between when they were written and the copies that we have, and the number of copies that we have. For example, Homer, which you've probably heard of, wrote the Iliad and other things. He's written in 800 B.C. The earliest copy that we have is from 400 B.C., so there's 400 years between when he wrote it and the copy that we have. And we have 643 copies of that ancient piece of work. Herodotus wrote history, 480 to 425 B.C. The earliest copies are from A.D. 900. That's 1,350 years later. There's this whole big gap in there that we don't have, but we have these copies we trust. These eight copies that we have somehow show what he wrote. And then they skip down to Plato. He wrote in 400 B.C., but the earliest copies are 1,300 years later. We only have seven copies. And yet, everybody says this is what Plato wrote. And then there's Caesar, the Gaelic Wars, written 144 B.C., earliest copies a 1,000 years later, and we only have 10 of them. Nobody calls these documents into question. But the Bible is repeatedly questioned as unreliable. So you need to ask yourself, why is that? Look at the time gap between uh, the number of copies we have in the New Testament. Compare them to the time gap of the rest of the writings on this chart. You'll see much closer, many more of them. The time gap is only 50 to maybe 225 years at most. And the number of early copies is 5,366 manuscripts. God is doing something here to say something about reliability. F.F. Bruce, esteemed Bible scholar, says the evidence of our New Testament writings is ever so much greater than the evidence for many writings of classical authors, the authenticity of which no one dreams of questioning. And if the New Testament were a collection of secular writings, their authenticity would generally be regarded as beyond all doubt. God has left us many early copies of the original writings of the Bible so that we can be assured of the Bible's reliability. Second evidence, the original writings were faithfully preserved. When we look at the manuscripts and fragments that we have, we're immediately impressed at the care with which the copies were made. You've been to the Bible Museum, a great deal of energy is shown that this is the case. It is amazing that the various generations and generations of copies are so much in agreement with each other. Best case of this is the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were discovered in a cave in Israel in the 1940s. And the world had an opportunity to see whether the copies strayed far from the original writings or not. The earliest copies of Old Testament books we had before this discovery were almost a thousand years later than the manuscripts found in the Qumran caves near the Dead Sea. And in those caves were these clay jars filled with very old scrolls. Eventually, in that cave, the original cave and others, they found portions of every Old Testament book except for Esther. Doubters of the Bible's reliability said, Aha, it says now. Now we can see how many errors have crept into the Bible over the course of time. But what shocked the entire world is that there were hardly any changes at all. 95% of the text was perfectly identical, and the other 5% that was slightly different was mostly spelling variations. Nothing of any doctrinal consequence had been changed in a thousand years. That is impressive. And we can reasonably conclude that the books we have in the Bible today are reliable copies of the original writings of the men inspired by God. 
Evidence three, archaeology supports the biblical record. Many times in the past, people have said that the Bible was wrong in naming a king or a country or an event in human history. Many times people have said, aha, the Bible got it wrong. But every time, given a few years, archaeologists have eventually found that the Bible record was accurate. For example, for years, scholars doubted the existence of a city named Ur, the city from which Abraham came. Many years later, however, archaeologists discovered the ruins of a city in the Bible that had been there all along. We just didn't know it. It got covered up. Another example, skeptics doubted for many years the existence of a nation of people called the Hittites. But then suddenly they found a Hittite city complete with its records found buried in modern-day modern Turkey. And then they unearthed 40 more Hittite cities. Great amount of evidence, but nobody knew about it for a while, so everybody said the Bible didn't know what it was talking about. Then there's Nineveh, the capital city of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. Empire. You probably know it from the book of Jonah. Jonah was sent to this city, an enemy city, to preach so that they would repent and come back to God. And they did. He resisted that. He didn't want to do that. He ended up in the, the, the belly of the giant fish, remember. For many years, scoffers uh, said that the Bible was making this city up. There was no city of Nineveh. And then suddenly they discovered the ruins of Nineveh in northern Iraq. The Bible was right. No archaeological finds have ever disproved a single biblical event, civilization, or individual. On the contrary, there have been many, many times when archaeology upheld the facts recorded in Scripture. Evidence number four. The New Testament books were written shortly after the events they recorded, so as close together as possible, much better than most other ancient writings. It is important to know that the Gospels, which tell about Jesus' life and ministry, were recorded soon after the events they recorded. All of them were written within the lifetimes of the eyewitnesses of these events. So if there was any discrepancy, any misleading facts, these would have been corrected by those who knew what really happened. The Apostle Paul makes a point of this in 1 Corinthians 15 when he's talking about Jesus rising from the dead and he, that he appeared to many people to prove his resurrection. And he says that Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 6. Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, which was a history of the early church, carefully interviewed the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and the people who were part of the early years of the church, which included him, so that we could know that what he wrote was true. It is helpful to know that the New Testament books were written shortly after the events they recorded. There was no great gap of time, and the eyewitnesses were still alive. To these four evidences for the reliability of the Bible, let me add a fifth the accuracy of the Bible. A lot of people claim that the Bible is full of mistakes and errors and contradictions. But if you ask them when they say that, what are your specific objections to the Bible, few of them will even have an answer. They've just heard somewhere that the Bible has errors and contradictions, so they keep passing their message along. So if somebody says that to you, say, okay, show me an example. Let me, let me answer that specific thing that is, that is a, a bother to you, that is hanging up things for you. 
Let me tell you just a few things about the amazing accuracy of the Bible in several areas. Consider the Bible's accuracy in the field of science. Now, the Bible is not a book of science. It's not a science book, but it makes observations about our world, and they are true. Some may say that the Bible has scientific errors, but in every case, the Bible accurately describes our world before science even knew some of these things. For instance, Job 26, 7, very, very ancient part of Scripture, says that God spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. Nobody in Job's time could possibly have known that the earth is floating in outer space. But God declared it to be thousands of years before man learned such information. The answer is in Genesis website, which I would encourage you to check out. Actually talks about several things. Four well-known examples where the Bible has made a claim that science is only now beginning to recognize. For example, astronomy. The Bible claims that the universe had a beginning. Philosophers and scientists rejected that claim for over 2,000 years. But now astronomers believe that the universe did indeed have some kind of a beginning. Now, some of them call it a Big Bang or whatever they may call it, but they're saying there was a point where things began, and for a long time they denied that, but the Bible says that is how it happened. Anthropology. The Bible claims that all humans are one blood, descended from one man and one woman. Some 19th century biologists argue that different races actually descended from lower animals or wherever, but today genetics has caught up and has verified that there is only one human race. The Bible had it right to begin with. Biology. The Bible claims that God created animals after their kind. 19th century biologists, again, argue that animals evolved from other very different animals, but today biology confirms that creatures reproduce with their own kind or species only. Geology. The Bible claims that God destroyed the earth and the creatures inhabiting it in the worldwide flood, that it was a catastrophic, quick event. 19th century geologists argued that rock layers and the fossils found in them were formed as sediments and were deposited slowly over eons of time. But today, geology confirms that many rock layers were deposited catastrophically, burying fossils with only minutes or hours of each other. The scientific accuracy of the Bible in statements like these is amazing. Let's go to another field, the field of history. The history that the Bible records is reliable and accurate. No facts declared in the Old or New Testaments have been shown to be false, even though some have been doubted for a time. I already mentioned some of the disputed cities. Let's talk about people mentioned in the Bible. Scholars say that there was never a king named Belshazzar in Babylon, even though the book of Daniel says there was. It was only later that scholars discovered that there was a Belshazzar that had indeed sat on the Babylonian throne during the absence of King Nabonidus. In 1956, they found a Babylonian chronicle that revealed Nabonidus left his throne for 10 years and Belshazzar replaced him as king, kind of a temporary king. The Bible, again, was vindicated. Maybe into the New Testament you want to go. And we see Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, who figures very prominently in the story of Jesus. He tried him and sent him to crucifixion. 
Many scholars doubted his existence. They couldn't find any place where Pontius Pilate was even mentioned in human history. But that all changed in 1961 when a helicopter gunship was flying down the coast of Israel and noticed kind of a circle in the sand. Something was there that looked circular. And the archaeologists began to dig there, and they ended up discovering the entire city of Caesarea Philippi, including a magnificent Colosseum. That was the circle. Dr. Antonio Frova discovered a plaque on the ruins of that Colosseum, dedicating it to the man who built it, Pontius Pilate. <laughs> Never did we know about him before. Consider the prophetic accuracy of the Bible. The Old Testament concludes, includes about 2,000 specific prophecies that have already been fulfilled. Many prophecies revolve around the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. Prophecies about Jesus include his reason for coming, the timing of his coming, the manner and place of his birth, his crucifixion, burial, resurrection. There have been upwards of 300 prophecies fulfilled in this one figure in human history. And the math mathematical improbability of that being true is staggering. God was up to something. God showed what he was going to do, and then he did it. So this morning, I just want to ask each of us, ask those of you who may be online today, what do you think? Is the Bible reliable? If you're not sure, can you at least keep an open mind to search and research the evidence we have on hand? Are you willing to use the same tests and the same proofs about the Bible's reliability as you would any other ancient document? And if so, I think you will discover that the Bible stands up to every test, every scrutiny. We can test, we can trust its validity and its historicity, whether we agree that it came from God or not. That's the next question. But is the Bible reliable? As for me, there is one more evidence for the Bible's reliability, and that's the way it changes human lives. This living word from God has the power to reach into our hearts and minds and change them. Notice what the Bible says about itself in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The Bible is different than any other book on earth. It is a living word, meaning that through its words, God interacts with us as we read it. As we read the Bible, God speaks to our hearts and challenges our thinking, our choices, and even the motives we have behind them. And if you are not a believer today, I challenge you to read the Bible with an open mind. And maybe God will speak to you. If you are already a follower of God, I challenge you to read and to study and to meditate on this book every day. We can trust it to be an inexhaustible wealth of wisdom and insights from God for every day of our lives. So we must know this book. and We must live by the book if we are to bring pleasure to our God. Is the Bible... Reliable? Absolutely. Would you pray with me?
Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for uh, finding ways to not only get your word to us, but to preserve that word through centuries of time. What we have today, what we hold in our hands, what we set maybe on a bookshelf or on the coffee table, that which we pick up in our Bible studies or read privately in our own as we do our devotions is so meaningful to us, so helpful to us. And we know that it's not just a book, it's just not ink on pages, but it is a living word which your Holy Spirit uses to judge the thoughts and the motives of our hearts. And we are grateful for that. We're grateful for the wisdom you give us. We're grateful for the stories that you share, for the lives that are changed when the Bible gets a hold of them. And you have changed us. You have changed the way we think, the way that we uh, live, the attitudes that we have, the emotions, the way we respond to things like this COVID-19 crisis, the way that we are grounded in you beyond what so many people can experience today. But Lord, we know that you call us to you. It's through the word that we first hear about you. And we are grateful that we have heard about Jesus and he is changing our hearts day by day. We pray for those who may be listening to this message today, that they would be open in their minds and their hearts and they could hear from you as well. And we're grateful for the opportunity to share this word with others every day. We ask for your blessing today as we continue our worship now in Jesus' name. Amen. 